Casey's, um, his jobs, his title. He's the producer, art director, sound engineer, and awesome Googler. Looks up anything I need to know. And I do all of them partially okay. Yeah, partially. So I love um, the idea of a podcast because you can do it anywhere. You can do it in your living room like we are. Well, actually, our friend's living room. Um, I'm wearing sweatpants. I don't even have to wear a bra, but I am. Yeah, we're kind of already traveling without having an audience. Yes. We are house-sitting for Casey's good friends in Carmel, Indiana. If anyone's seen Parks and Rec, it's... It's com- very Eagleton. <laughs> yeah, it's very Eagleton. So, okay, let's jump right in. I have been collecting notes and thoughts for seven, eight years um, about parenting and being a mother. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and I have like seven notebooks and tons of Google Docs that I've been, where I've been jotting down thoughts and pieces, and I'm also a therapist. That's where the whole mental mom thing comes in I'm a therapist so I have mental health training and I'm a mental health practitioner so I work in the mental health field but I feel like since I've had two kids started a little bit after my first one but mostly after I had the second one that uh, my mental health was seriously affected and you know I'm, I'm getting through it I've got a therapist I've got meds I've got friends I've got good people in my life. Uh, luckily, my three closest friends are therapists also, so that helps. Um, but as I've talked to more and more people, I I don't think I'm alone in feeling crazy and mental. So that's how the name came about, Mental Mom. Yeah, I think everybody's crazy. They just don't want to admit it. That's true. That's true, probably. I think crazy's just associated with being locked away in a straitjacket or something, but we all do stuff that's crazy to other people. That's true. Um, so I, Casey asked me to make an outline of, you know, each episode, what I wanted to talk about. And so then I got really stressed out (laughs) (laughs) because when I think of outline, I think of Roman numeral one and then indent. The very English outline. Yeah, and then there's a big A, a little A, and then there's like a Roman numeral. Anyway, so I started getting really freaked out, and we decided after putting all my material out on the floor, 
that I would just start reading things that I've written down. So the first few episodes will be uh, a combination of reading things that I've written and um, discussion. And then I'm hoping that we will get lots and lots of feedback from listeners um, so we can answer questions. But mainly, I'm a therapist during the week, during the day. When I do this podcast, I am not in therapist mode. Right. This is you, uh, as you put it, you're not trying to tell people. No, because I don't know. How to live. I even stopped seeing children in my practice, right. my private practice, because I I don't, parenting is. This is more of an outlet for you to mm-hmm. get help. I need help. Right. Please help me. Uh, write in email. We'll post links to all of our all of our stuff, um, and we really do want to hear from you because I really want this to be kind of like a therapy support group where we can all help each other and we can get advice and a safe place to talk about um, what it's like to feel like you have no idea what you're doing with your with your parenting and just all the struggles that go with it. And then especially when you have mental health issues on top of that. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yes, so, Casey, do you think that I should Megan? read? Which one should I read? Um, I don't know. Which one? Which one did you enjoy the other night when I was going through all this stuff with you? Oh. I thought the second one, is that the one? You read that was in line with what you wanted to do for this one? The mental health and parenting? Yes. It, was it the one? I'll just start reading this. And then we'll go with it. Okay. Okay. I've only been working on this for years. I don't know why I would be, you know, organized and ready to go. I just can't do outlines. That's part of the ADHD thing. I am diagnosed. I'll tell you guys my diagnoses. Ready? Because I've seen... A psychologist for testing I've seen a psychiatrist and I have a counselor so I have attention deficit disorder inattentive type which means I have a hard time focusing concentrating um, and then also anxiety generalized anxiety disorder and I struggle with some mild to moderate depression all of it's managed pretty well with meds and therapy and friends and I once I add exercise in that's another thing that's a whole other show topic of uh, parents and having time to exercise yeah I'm I'm hanging in there but those are my diagnoses and I'm sure I'm not alone okay so I'm just going to read this oh so anyway back to why um it's hard for me to get organized and make a plan is like I just have to go with it because sitting down to make an outline I mean, that's probably why I've procrastinated this long. Because we sat down a year ago Yeah. to do this. Yeah, that's crazy. And remember, we were going to have my best friend, who's also a mom. Mm-hmm. On, you know, we were going to interview her. We had it all set up. We were ready to go. She was supposed to call in. You, had it, you were going to record all of it and put it all together. And then she just never called. And it turns out she fell asleep with her kid. Oh. Yeah. So, so then, that's finally the story. That's I the story. I never heard that. <laughs> And then a whole bunch of other things happened in our lives, and there was moving and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I'll just jump right in. Yeah. Okay. Do it. Ready? 
My notes on the premise and reason for this show. Practicing my podcast voice. Take one. I think I was going to practice reading this to make sure and then listen to it so that I could work on my podcasting voice. Kind of like, you know, like Anchorman, like when they're like, my non-regional dialect. The how now brown cow. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. My big plan after college was to eventually write a syndicated newspaper column. I had one for a local newspaper. About 40,000 person readership. Pretty good. I was in my 20s. My column was about single life in that town, and it was really fun. Then I met my husband, which I'm now divorced, by the way. Um, We'll talk about that another time. So it didn't really make sense anymore to continue that topic. And I had identified myself as a single chick, so when I met the one, I think it gave people hope. But it just wasn't working for me anymore to do the column. So I got a newspaper reporting job for a small-town newspaper, making a $23,000 a year salary covering pancake breakfast events and I did this obituary thing where I would go talk to the families of dead people and then write a positive profile on them that was really popular people liked those stories my editor liked them then I got bored I don't want to just write about what other people are doing I want to do more so I went to graduate school became a licensed therapist and I've been doing pretty well the past year I have really missed the writing and wanted to pursue my goal of getting published again then I discovered podcasts, this whole podcast thing. I got so inspired by these awesome podcasts like Mark Marin. If you haven't checked out his podcast, you definitely should. And of course, my biggest inspiration after Mark Marin, uh, Georgia Hardstark and Karen Kilgariff from My Favorite Murder. If you haven't seen that, I mean, seen that's, listen. Listen. It's like my when I'm talking to my parents about podcasts and they're yeah. like, do you, do you watch that or do you... No, mom. <laughs> mom no, and dad. dad. No, it's on it's the a phone. Whole different... Is it on the radio? Nope. Well, sort of. Kind of, I guess. But no. Anyway, um, so my favorite murder. Check that podcast out too. They are the most hilarious uh, female comedians, TV personalities, just great writers. I mean, they're just really cool, and they do a lot to help others because they raise awareness. And um, anyway, you just got to check yeah. it out. If you like true crime, which nice, I do. Nice little plug. A plug. Well, they're, We don't even okay. know them. But. I don't know them, but you know how I have my running list of friends of the show? Yeah. Um, they're on it. You, even though they don't know me, that doesn't mean that I can't hope that someday we'll be friends. Yeah. Of course. Um, no, I have never... Okay, I'm getting back to reading now. Okay. Okay. No, I've never met them, but I will one of these days because I'm going to one of their shows at some point, and I've been meaning to email them about how awesome they are. But they are just, there are just not enough hours in the day. Okay, wait. Back to me stalking them. But when you listen to, these, to them, you feel like you are hanging out with your best friends in the living room. And they are so real and able to be themselves. And that's what I want for our podcast. That's what I want. I just want to be myself. Okay, so I was 35 at the time. I'm 37 now. Almost 37. I'm 35 and I'm not holding back anymore. And if I write for a newspaper or magazine, they'll try to boss me around and make me follow deadlines and be annoyed if I turn my story in late. I tend to do better if I'm my own boss. I'm way harder on myself than anyone else could be on me anyway. So podcasting totally inspired me. How fun to talk instead of write or write and then talk about it. With encouragement from others, I decided to own who I really am. The mental mom. I'm totally mental. My mom didn't want me to use the name. About three years ago when I first saw the name, I told my mom about it. And she was like, this is not good. 
this is not a good name. Do you know what that, that means, Meg? People are going to think you're crazy. And then I was like, so sweet. I know she's like the nicest person and just such a good lady. And then I was like, mom, I am crazy. I think if you are parenting well, you are a little bit crazy. After I had my kids, my mental health declined. I have always been prone to depression and anxiety since middle school. But after the birth of my first daughter, it really became apparent that my symptoms were increasing and not just of depression and anxiety. I was officially diagnosed with ADHD about 10 months after she was born. There's a really great psychologist who helped me realize it's a neurological thing. Like I had a problem. I had it before I was pregnant and I was able to manage it until I hit a certain point. I wasn't just ditzy or spacey or dingy or whatever else I used to think about myself. It really started to make sense. I used to get um, lost, like so lost when I was driving and I couldn't follow recipes and things like that. Lost more than you do now? Lost way more than I do now. On, I'm medicated now. I still get lost. But yeah, it was like, like I, and that you, was. You broke out of the, the old folks home and just wandered around. Yes. Like that kind of lost. And for the young kids listening, they didn't have, I didn't have GPS on my phone. When I was learning to drive. No. Okay. So when I got lost, it was bad. It was really bad. Okay. So, oh, that's why I'm so absent-minded and late to every meeting. And I can't remember where I'm going and why am I leaving the stove burner on. And I'm over here on the other side of the apartment and I'm looking for something. And I start a load of laundry and then, you know, maybe start something on fire in the kitchen. And that did happen (laughs) after my first daughter was born wasn't a bad fire but it well that's good yeah. nobody was hurt nobody was hurt and that's why Just my some animals. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why my brain wasn't firing correctly i was not functioning well and it was actually my supervisor at the agency where i was working at the time as a social worker who told me after i showed up late to a meeting with her you know you are totally adhd right and then it clicked but i needed more proof so i went to a psychologist and got lots of testing Lots of objective testing. And yes, I have inattentive ADHD. It's hard for me to concentrate, and looking back, I definitely think I had it as a kid. Well, I know I had it as a kid, and I think it just didn't click with my parents. I've been through a lot of therapy, so I don't blame my parents for not realizing what it was. It was the 80s. We didn't know as much as we do today. And it is highly underdiagnosed in females. Not surprising that it was missed. Let me just say that it's really funny when you're a therapist and you work in the mental health field... And another professional has to tell you. It's much harder to see it in ourselves. That's why therapy works. Not so much because of fancy techniques and lots of credentials. It's an objective outsider who can say, this is what it looks like from where I'm sitting on the outside. A lot of people think a therapist's job is to give advice. And that is actually a myth. A therapist's job is to elicit feelings and awareness so the individual can decide what's best for him or her and reach another level of self-awareness. So I do go to therapy. I have ever since graduate school. When one of my professors said it was really important to know what it feels like to sit on the other side. It was the best advice. I am very skeptical of therapists who don't go to therapy or seek some kind of mentorship or consultation. Everyone can benefit from therapy. I truly believe that. And it's kind of hypocritical for your therapist to not go to therapy. That's why I like this whole podcast thing. I can say what I want. Therapists who don't go to therapy weird me out, and I think they are hiding something or don't want to face it or think it's a sign of weakness. So there's therapists that that's their job, but also think that it's a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. 
for themselves. So they they supposedly want to help these people. Like they like some think that we should ha- like be all knowing and we should be. Well, then why do they have a job? Like why, why even want to be a therapist then? If you're basically because it sounds like a really judgy thing to say, you should just be able to figure it out. Like don't go see a therapist. You should just know well, what you're doing. It's like, more like I'm a therapist, so I should know more than my client, and I should be maybe at a different level than my client and I I shouldn't need therapy because I already have it all figured out because I'm okay a so it's more about themselves not the people that come to them right it's about okay. them so it's like a pretentious a little bit arrogant thing yeah. of or for me or I think it's fear-based they're they don't want to f- deal with stuff and they know if they go to a therapist they might have to because that's what therapists do that's they... so ridiculous I'm a therapist and I can't talk about my feelings, but I want to listen to other people's and then help them through their stuff. Or sometimes therapists don't practice self-care, so they don't make the time. I've fallen into that trap before, Um, but it's like they're not – what we tell our clients is – to make time for yourself take care of yourself first your relationship with yourself is the most important thing right and then a lot of therapists don't follow that they're so busy helping other people that they don't make time for their own needs okay so they're kind of on the other end of the yeah yeah so one is like pretentious like i'm better than i don't need because therapist's job is not to tell you what to do right it's to help you now i have discover yeah and you make those decisions on your own yeah leading you to the proper thing yes. of for yourself because everybody's different yes right and how you handle something is completely different how then i would handle something right but the result in the end is the same if we get to the same point yes okay one therapist that i saw i've seen quite a few um she said something so important she said i truly believe that every person has it within their own self they know the answer. We all know the answer, but we need sometimes need someone to help us listen to it. Listen to it. Well, and say it out loud. Like sometimes we know it, maybe subconsciously. Um, we need someone to help us bring it out consciously. Or sometimes we have a feeling. I've talked to you about this. How I have feelings, but I've had feelings I didn't know what they were. Mm-hmm. It was my gut telling me right something. And so a therapist helps you listen to that gut feeling. Like trusting your gut. Trusting it, yes. Yeah. And it, a therapist is, it's confidential. It's, it should be a non-judgmental. Yeah, I don't know why. Worry. I feel like even now with the times we live in that we've been advancing, you know, with mm-hmm. like gay gay marriage and mm-hmm. all of like the transgender thing and like people are becoming more accepting of all of that mm-hmm. but there's still that like oh you're in therapy like you see a therapist a like, stigma with it yeah like i'm sure it's gotten a lot better for yeah. sure but still that that in society that you still have that stigma or get judged mm-hmm. because you're trying to help yourself how much of it though is well, have you seen that happen or have you like experienced well, that? Well, I know sometimes like 
somebody will mention that they're in therapy or they are seeing a therapist and you get that kind of like side eye look of like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, like you, some people automatically like get this vision in their head of like, oh, you're, you're, there's something wrong with you. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. You can't figure it out. Yeah. Like. You need somebody to help you figure it out. And it's like (laughs) a condescending type of look. Yeah. Like definitely judgment for sure. Um, Have you been to therapy? Yeah. I've been. I probably should continue to go. I mean, it's been a while since I've went, but when I did go, it was very helpful because you can only talk to your mom or your dad or your friend. You know, you can only talk to those people so many times. Plus, they know you, so they can't be completely objective. Right. Well, they shouldn't. Hopefully, you have somebody that, even though they know you, can tell you the right thing. But yeah. It's different. It is different. But. Yeah, going and speaking with, uh, I can't remember her name, but she was really nice and um, Not helpful. judgy? No. You would not believe, I'm sorry, I interrupted, go ahead, that's it. No, you're fine, but yeah, I've went and there's times where I've, like, yeah, I should, probably wouldn't hurt, it would make me probably feel better about having a, another person to, I don't know, analyze my Analyze thoughts. and sometimes validate, like sometimes... My clients, they just need me to really listen and then kind of say it back to them, give them feedback and say, yeah, the, you're right. Like, that's absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes a lot of my clients live with people or have people in their lives who are really mentally unstable. So mm-hmm. I usually see not the super mentally unstable. I see pretty normal people who just have. Yeah. I'd say like me, I'm just trying to get through the day (laughs) i'm pretty high functioning yeah but i still need someone to talk to yeah Yeah. high functioning high functioning and so but they have really unhealthy people in their lives that that make them second guess everything in their sanity right because i've been there yeah that's part of the reason i went to therapy because you were trying to figure that out yeah because i was in a relationship for so long where it seemed like a lot of what I did was crazy, you know, and I'm no, not perfect by any means. I mean, I have my faults and I'll admit them, but when you're with someone that talks down to you and you've been with them for so long, you start to believe that. And then, like you said, like there's something inside you're like, your gut, you're like, no, I, this makes sense, but you get surrounded by that it's powerful. That judgment and then, you know, you get isolated with that person and then you start believing what they tell you because you're invested in that person and you care about them. So you think that they reciprocate the way that you feel about them, you know, and mm-hmm. you're like, well, if they love me and they're saying these things, it must be some somewhat true or if right. not all true because they say they love me and their intentions should be good. When in reality, there's people out there, like we've talked about, that their intentions aren't good. They're not. And it turns into... Selfish people. Selfishness. And it's a control thing. Controlling. And all of that. And when you get with that person or around those type of people for so long, you start believing it. Mm -hmm. And you have to... That's the hardest part is getting away from all that and 
realizing that you're not really like that crazy yeah because that it's not true you have like yeah your logical thoughts are really good thoughts and they're thought out thoughts from you know like and then but being able to talk back to the point like going and talking to like a therapist yeah how was, and having, did it help you you feel like yeah because it helped me realize that i'm not crazy and i'm not this selfish person that i was told that i was mm-hmm. you know because i think everybody should have their own time and that was one of the things we always fought about like have your own time to work out or or yeah like i don't want to be with somebody that i have to be connected at the hip all the time it's like you have your life i have my life but together when we come together we should be bettering each other's lives not now that we're together it's like i'm your property or you're my property and like you can't do anything without me like that's just drives me nuts and that was what i was in and anytime i said something about wanting to do something alone uh it we had an argument and i was told i was selfish and i didn't care about other people's feelings because it's not like you didn't that person was taking it personally yeah and it wasn't about and the crazy thing is like we live together yeah. So it's not like you'd never see me. Right. It's like I all I want is As, oh. I I would work eight hours a day, and you know you go to yeah. you go to work, and then you want to have decompressed time, mm-hmm. and decompressed time for me is like exercising or just being alone by myself mm-hmm. for that's healthy a little bit you know yeah. just and if yeah, and it's it, it's crazy that that's a crazy behavior to think that you have to be. With somebody the together all, all the, the time. time. That's it's unhealthy. No, it's not. It's controlling and possessive. So, so my therapist, that's what she helped, helped me you with. But you already knew, right? She just kind of helped you. Well, yeah, it goes back to the gut. Like, because before then, before I was with this person, it was like, that's what I did. And life was good, mm-hmm. you know? And then I had that weird thing of like, I needed to be with somebody. And that was the other part of the problem is I wasn't okay with myself yet. And I had to do all of that reflecting on myself. And I had to go through a really bad relationship to learn that. Yeah. Unfortunately, but I had to learn the hard way. But that's the whole point of life is to go through stuff and then figure out things that we didn't know. Yeah. Before. So, and the therapist going and talking to her and... I'm guessing you knew, like, like you said, inside that what you were feeling was... There was something wrong in the relationship and that you weren't a bad person. But you needed, but didn't that therapist help you kind of, uh, um, she like validated, validated. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I do a lot of in, in my work is, you know, just because you're my client doesn't mean I'm going to validate what you say. Like <laughs> that's not how it works. No. But if I truly feel like you're making sense and that you're being authentic and you're being, you know, and sometimes it's the most common sense things that people, it's like mild brainwashing that mm-hmm. occurs and it's scary. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where were we? What's happening? Casey, I'm not working. I'm not a therapist right now. Oh, yeah. I feel like I Sorry. just went into therapist mode. Hey, what do you think about this? I just put my glasses down here on my nose. You got very... Do I look very therapist-y? Yeah. Do you, like, want to believe everything I say? <laughs> <laughs> do you think I know stuff? Oh, we were talking about therapists who don't see therapists. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, that's okay. Hello. You know me. I love getting off track. <laughs> 
Uh, I feel like as long as it has to do with mental health and or parenting, it can be on this podcast. We can talk about it. You're... If you can hear the cat, <laughs> um, that's Kitty. Hi, and Kitty. She's a talker, a real talker. Casey's allergic to cats. Yeah, so this is the sacrifices I make for my friends that go off to Europe. For two weeks. For two weeks, and I, I have to but are house they... sit and oh my watch gosh. their, they are their the, cat. They are the nicest. Yeah, they're cool. adorable. They are oh so cute. I love them. They're so uh, nice. I love they're them like too. that couple that is just so in love. Yeah, it's gross. It's gross. It's gross love. But, but they're really sweet. That's what you, you know. You're a good friend for doing this. And they're well, bringing you back, back back presents, right? So I've been told. Okay, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep see. you guys I updated. I believe them, though. I've, I've... They will. That... And then if you hear grunting <laughs> like an old man, that's that's Abe. The next time... The Pomeranian pup. He's not a pup, but he is passed out by the door right now. He is a He's... watchdog. He looks like he's had one few too many. <laughs> do you think that Abe? He's adorable too. Do you think we could? Do you think your friend would let? I want to say their name, but I'm not going to because yeah, I don't know if they. Yeah, I don't know if they want us to or not. But can we say the dog's name? I already did. You already did. Okay. Do you think they'd let us put that sweater on Abe and put a picture of him on our, our uh, Insta? What sweater? Didn't you say he has a little sweater? Oh yeah, it's like a football sweater. How cute! Yeah. Could we dress them up and take pictures of them? Oh no. Only if, only if Abe was okay with it, because you know I I'm not into like harm. Yeah, animals. you gotta check with the talent. Okay. <laughs> so he looks okay. Occupied. And you know right what? Now. Just to say this, I the, I've been so lucky. The therapists I've been to, um, have been like so good. One yeah. of them I just picked from my insurance company like website. I just went down the list and I was like, oh, I like her name. Yeah, that's one thing I realized because I'm a person that doesn't really ever have insurance. Mm -hmm. And when I do get it, I don't know the perks of insurance. And maybe a lot of people aren't aware that a lot of uh, therapy is covered by insurance, Mm -hmm. which I was found kind of surprising. I don't know why I took that away from having insurance. I never used it, but... But just knowing that it's a benefit... Yeah, that, you that have it's covered. A lot, of times. a lot of the insurance companies cover. Yeah, or you can use therapy. your um, health savings account HSA. That really? Yeah. Did you uh, not know that? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. I had an HSA. Dang it! Before I quit. <laughs> Dang it! But I had to quit. We know that. We know that. We'll do that whole yeah, episode. we won't. No. If I would have stayed in that job, I definitely would have needed extensive therapy. Possibly meds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, moving on from where that. Where are we? Where are we? Where? So, is there a way to find out who these therapists are that don't go to therapy? Like, oh yeah, I that's feel what I was like a you. therapist should have like that on their wall. Like, like I have I'm completed in, like seven hundred hours of personal therapy. therapy. When I was in graduate school, um, we talked a lot about self care, the importance of dealing with your own stuff as a therapist. So that it doesn't bleed over into your sessions, you know, because there's that transference, counter-transference thing Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, projecting your own stuff onto your client. Um, So if you don't go to therapy and make sure that all of your emotional issues and like childhood issues and all that stuff's in check, you would not believe the stories of therapists using sessions with their clients to talk about themselves. So like they're projecting their stuff on 
this client that already has their own issues issues which is so unethical so they're like downloading their problems so, yes. into that's and awful i just had a client a session with a client who told me about that happening to from her. a previous therapist because yes. i always ask my clients have you been to therapy yeah before? have you been to therapy what's worked what hasn't you know and so they tell me and i i I have heard the most hilarious stories. But what I was saying before I go into that, I have had the best luck. I mean, I've seen probably four or five therapists over the past 12 years, maybe even longer than that. And they've all been excellent. So part of that might be, though, I knew, like, if they weren't, though, you can tell. For me, you can tell in the first session if you click with the person or not. So same with my clients. My clients usually find me on psychologytoday.com. Is a real like notable, is that a word, notable? Yeah. Reputable place. They verify our license. You put your picture up on it, a profile. So people read my profile and pick me as their therapist. Those are usually some of the best fits because they know what they're getting and they're no, right. they know what they're getting and they picked me. They do their research. They do their research. So I tell people, get online, look at your a therapist's picture, read about your therapist, make sure you feel like a connection. So anyway, where was I going? I was talking about... You've seen therapists. The, and the ones I've seen have been excellent. Mm -hmm. And I, my friends that are excellent, my therapist friends. Okay, so... But I cannot tell you how many clients have told me about inappropriate things happening in therapy. Like, their therapists yeah talking about their own stuff like i'll share a little here and there but it's never it, it's never their session is never about me right so so to tie this in with being mom <laughs> that's thank you for getting me back what on you are yeah um do you feel that since you being a therapist does that help you with being a mom at all like yes if you have yeah clients come in that talk about their relationships with their kids and stuff listening to that does that put stuff in perspective for you as a parent or as a i think it um well i think one it makes me relatable mm -hmm. i have a lot of moms as clients which makes sense because um, I work with a lot of women as I have a lot of female clients um, yeah I think it makes it hard too sometimes like that's why I stopped seeing one of the reasons I stopped seeing children is I felt like it brought up too many issues for me yeah when they would bring their child in I'm like whoa whoa I don't even have my own stuff figured out with my kids you know I don't I it just doesn't come naturally to me like adult like doing therapy with adults right so but let's see does it make what was your original question does it make me does it help you be i guess does it make you feel like you can be a better mom in a sense because it challenges me to or you can me think about things yeah or like you hear these your clients like tell their stories and then you're just like oh geez like that's something i i never want to do or yeah 
Oh yeah, that happens. Yeah. Um, or I think. And it's part of the reason you still go to therapy to help yourself be oh, a better yeah. mom. Absolutely. Because you, do you doubt yourself a lot? I do. I do. I think any parent, I'm not sure if it's as strong with dads, but moms. Yeah, we doubt everything. Um, not everything. Like, I know basic safety. And, <laughs> you know, we yeah. follow the rules, get in the car seat. But, yeah, it, I go to therapy to help keep my issues in check so that it – because it's never okay to take out my anger or my stuff on my kids. Not that it doesn't happen once in a while, okay? It happens. Yeah. You have a hard day. Yeah. yeah and the first thing, you know, but the kids are <laughs> screaming and they want – you know, they always want stuff. Yeah. Mommy. Mommy. Mom. Oh mommy. Mom. 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 That, hey, mom. That mom. Family Guy episode is so on point. <laughs> I haven't seen it's it. It's ridiculous. You, oh my God. Well, is it I'll Stewie? It yeah. Okay. He's in his crib. And it's because he, he's supposed to be crying, but he's a talking baby, right? You know? And he's like, Mom, Mom, Mommy, Mommy, Mom, <laughs> Mom. Over and over. I and think, then yeah. she's trying to ignore it, you know? And then she's like, What? And he's like, I love you. <laughs> And it's like he doesn't want anything, and it's just it's yes. so They just want to life. know that they can get your attention. That's one of the things I struggle with the most is when am I not meeting one of your needs, maybe, and when am I getting manipulated? That's Does that yeah. make sense how I said that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's why I go to therapy to make sure that my emotional issues are in check so that I don't take out my stuff on my kids so i don't so my issues don't take over during my client sessions Mm -hmm. so and so that i can grow as a person and get perspective that's the other thing you get from therapy it's just some different perspective well that's the goal in life right yeah to glow to glow to grow (laughs) every day glowing that made me think of glitter yeah i love glitter (laughs) Okay, sorry. Shiny stuff. She's distracted. <laughs> okay, wait. Let's re let's regroup here for a second. Do you want me to keep reading? I don't know. Is that what are we reading? Well, I'm not done with that this article yet. But is it too that I wrote? Is it too long? Let's just keep reading. Everyone can benefit from therapy, and it's kind of hypocritical for your therapist yeah. to not go to therapy. Mm-hmm. That's you, where we. Is that where we stop? Yeah. Back to my diagnoses. I took treating my diagnoses very seriously and began uh, medication. Sorry, I lost where I am. And began medication trials to find the best one. Exercised regularly for a while. That's always my thing. That's how everybody does it. Yeah. Unless you get paid. I know. That's how I do it. Oh my gosh, can I just say something from watching what we watched last night with mark Marin. oh what remember when he did his stand-up i oh, got to the see the magic him. shoes yes he with his magic shoes he's talking about how it's so hard to, there's three phases to working out right phase one wasn't it like saying you were gonna work out yeah saying you're gonna work out and then one of the phases was well i gotta go get new shoes yeah 
Yeah. Those other shoes weren't working. And I've done that before. I told you. Yeah. Where I've bought, went and bought new workout clothes because I'm like, I can't work That's out without new That's just a way to procrastinate. Yeah, I know. We're going to do a whole episode on procrastinating. We okay. should, yeah. I wrote this when I was still married. I'm divorced now. <laughs> As you know, because you're my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it goes. <laughs> we can talk more about that later, too. Yeah. Single mom. I'm a single divorced mom. mom. Divorced mom. Divorced MILF? Oh, I don't know if we're saying the F word on the show yet, so you might have to bleep that out. Okay. So we'll get back to that. Okay. Found meds, exercised for a while, went to therapy, and it helped, but my mind was never the same after my first daughter was born. Then, fast forward, after my husband's, ex-husband's, career change and a few moves... My daughter was three at the time. I knew we didn't want an only child, so let's just have another child now. Honestly, I just wanted to have a second child and get it over with. I love my second child, by the way. She's pretty funny. She is hilarious. Yeah. Um, so when she hears this someday, I don't want her to think. No, she's loved. She knows that. She knows that she is. I wanted to get it over with. And move on with my life. Being pregnant was terrible for me. It was nothing like what you read in the books or what to the book what to expect when you are expecting. By who did we say that's by Heidi Murkoff? Heidi Murkoff. It's a very famous book. What to expect when you're expecting, and you read it when you're pregnant. No. But basically, I've never been the same in the past four years. So when I wrote this, it was four years. It was right after having my second kid, I guess. I have no... When you're a mom with mental health issues, you don't have any concept of dates anymore. Your perception of time. Time. <laughs> goes out the window. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Yeah. I'm late for everything. Yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Oh my God. My 10 minutes really means... It's like 45. No. No, it's not that bad, but it's... 30? It's probably 30. <laughs> That's to be more 10 honest. minute to 30 minute ratio. Yeah, I'm five minutes away. So you know to expect me in 25 minutes. Yeah. I don't even text anymore to see if you're okay. Well, you did yesterday. I did yesterday. It makes me feel loved. You were going to a place you're not familiar with. True. And you know how I am with getting lost. Yeah. It's all full circle. And those damn roundabouts. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. um, I've never been the same in the past four years. I've been a parent of two girls for four years. One is seven. One is four. At the time when I wrote this, I barely remember anything. No concept of dates and times or timelines. Not sure what day of the week it is. Like if you did the mini mental status exam on me, that's one of the tools used to see if a person has the beginning stages of dementia or some kind of cognitive disorder decline. Any day of the week, I would score lower than a lot of my older adult clients that I administer the test to, which has happened. It really has. Really? Yeah. You've taken that. Well, I'm giving it to the person. You're taking it yourself. And well, and I have. I'm like, I don't know what the date is today. You know, or I don't know the answer to that. In my head, I'm saying that. Oh. As I'm assessing them. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> I should. Actually, we should do one on. I'll bring one. We should have a whole episode. We should. Yeah. I'll do it to you. Um, any day of the week, I would score lower than a lot of my older adult clients. Okay. The mental health decline after having my children and then meeting many moms and dads who feel the same way. 
No one told us. Your kid's going to choke on everything. Your kid's probably going to get kidnapped. I mean, this is how it is every day for a lot of us. Yes, most of us who think that way probably have some diagnosable anxiety or depression disorder. I don't know if normal mentally healthy people think, I have to watch my infant baby on this monitor so I can run in and rescue her when she stops breathing and tries to die of SIDS. Like, is that just the mentally unhealthy who think that way? Or do all new parents think that way? Then for me, I take it one step further and think, we aren't getting a monitor with a screen because I know someone is going to hack in and watch my baby and plot to kidnap her from our house. That's a bit extreme. Is it? <laughs> Maybe. Just this a is... little bit. <laughs> this is real. I'm getting better now that my kids are school-aged. I want to figure out where or how to draw the line or decipher what is just normal parenting stress and what is symptomatic of anxiety. I would love to hear your stories and discuss them on this podcast. Love, Meg. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, real quick, can I tell you another funny story about being crazy when your kid's born? I think it's because hormones are still kind of out of whack. Place, right? Yeah. My first daughter, after she was born, she was in the NICU for three, three and a half weeks, I believe. She was born early, premature. Right. Yeah, because that's the other thing is you didn't have normal pregnancies yeah we should probably talk about that and births yeah which isn't in your book it wasn't in the book casey yeah Yeah, the the nicu part maybe didn't get added okay if it is in the book i either skipped over it i don't remember it but i don't feel that doesn't sound like you i feel like you're very thorough when it comes to well when the girl's dad and i were going to you go to these pre these birthing classes mm-hmm. when it's your first baby, we actually skipped the one on emergency issues. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, because, you know, my mom had four of us and natural births and it was easy labor. And yeah, so I just figured, you know, you're and good. All the women in our, and my aunts, everybody, like they all just have babies and it's fine. And, not you. No. So yeah. I did. I skipped that class. I don't think they probably. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't I been know. in it, but, but I feel like that's not what the they cover. Nobody. Is... Nobody says. Okay, so here's the deal. You are going to be uh, not. You just go in for your routine because you go in every two weeks toward the end. Mm-hmm. So I go in just for a regular checkup with my OBGYN. And I remember the nurse who took my blood pressure said, just a minute, please, and walked out, brought in the doctor. They took my blood pressure and they said, you are getting admitted to the hospital. So my OBGYN doctor's office was in a hospital. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So they wheeled me over to... And I'm by myself, um, registration, where you have to, like, give all your insurance information and stuff, in a wheelchair. My blood pressure was so high. I can't remember what it was now, but it was so high that they were like, you have preeclampsia. They thought I had preeclampsia, which I can post some information on it. Um, but it can it's dangerous for the baby and the mother. 
and your blood pressure is really high. So yeah, so that's how it happened. Like I'm, I was really swollen, like more swollen how, than most how people. How much more time were you supposed to have? She was thirty-four weeks gestation, thirty-four week gestation. So a full pregnancy is forty weeks. So you had like another six weeks, probably a month or so. Yeah, yeah, about a month. Yeah, left. Which is a significant amount of time, you know. I and then develop. Yeah, I hadn't finished. You know, you're supposed to have like a bag packed for the the hospital and be like all ready and stuff. Yeah, but that's not. It's more with the baby though. Like yeah, that they're still growing, developing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you're right, and so that's how. So what to expect when you're expecting? And then there's all this talk about a birth plan. Right. People talk about their birth plans. In an ideal world, everybody has a birth plan. Yeah. Right. So mine was not going as planned. I should have known something was wrong. I mean, I was so swollen. Like, so swollen that I actually developed carpal tunnel because my fingers were so swollen. Where they hurt that bad. It's like happens to people who have preeclampsia. And... I didn't even look like myself. It was really, it was crazy. And anyone who, yeah. Yeah. And anybody who's had this happen knows it's like, you don't even recognize yourself. And my, I had no ankles. They were gone. It was total cankle. So how, how, why did, did that progress throughout the pregnancy or did it just show up or like, it just showed up. And then, because you know, some swelling's normal. So I think I was still kind of in that normal place at my last appointment. And that's why they see you every two weeks. Yeah. So, that's what I mean. Like, if you're going every two weeks, it must have, like, really escalated. It did. Quickly. Yeah. Really okay. quickly. And I remember just not feeling good. Like, just tired. And, but I just thought it was because I was pregnant. And, you know, people get tired when they're and pregnant. I've never been pregnant before. Me? Wait, what'd you say? And you had never been pregnant before. Right, I'd never been pregnant. Yeah. So, so then, yeah, that's how, that's how it all started. So... I think at that moment, my whole life kind of, was that too dramatic? My whole life changed. No, it's not dramatic. It's just, it was a lot. Yeah. Nothing went the way it was supposed to. So then I got admitted. When you, when you get admitted, they um, do all these tests on you and the baby was okay, but her, her lungs which my eight-year-old now, she is, like, fierce, okay? She is these. I think she could probably take me on. Like, she's so – she could probably beat me in arm wrestling. She's so strong. And she's grown into, like, a – They're healthy. And she's tall and, like, Very big. Young. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, their lungs, the baby's lungs, um, they, there's concern that their lungs do a lot of developing in the toward the end of the pregnancy, and so they have to give you a steroid shot, I believe it is. And so that to help the baby's lungs develop quicker, mm-hmm. that shot is in the ass. Yeah, those hurt the worst. Oh my God. I didn't, I had a C-section, so cesarean section. So I didn't have like labor, mm-hmm. but I am telling you that shot in the ass. Yeah, those hurt. Why do they hurt so much in the ass? I, it's probably just because it's all 
it's your butt it's just i have padding that's what yeah it's just i i don't know there's probably a, a, a real you know what we'll get back it. to you on that we will google that or we will webmd that yeah, and... i just know it hurts because i've had one you had one i've had a couple well i had to get one when i broke my wrist why did they have to do it in your ass because I had to go into like emergency surgery, I guess. I don't know. Why do I you keep saying ass? It's I, like it's like I'm having fun saying ass. Yeah. Because I'm not around my kids, so I can say it's a, cuss words. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it hurts. So I imagine. Yeah. Okay, so it's not just this. You're having your being cut open, and then it sounds very unpleasant. It was. Well, f- yeah, I was there a couple days before they did the surgery. Oh, they didn't even do it that. No, because they want to give you as much, they want to wait as long as possible because the baby's still developing. So even oh. like days can help the baby develop more. And that steroid shot helps the lungs develop more. So if they, they hold you off until. So it like increases it that fast, like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. it's steroids. It's, it's pretty, yeah. pretty amazing. Yes. So let me tell you this story while we're on that note. Uh, this is, this is another thing that totally started messing with my head. I was on Zoloft at the time, which is for anxiety and depression. And it is, it has been around forever. And it's safe to, it's safe to use while you're pregnant. My OBGYN was fine with me being on it. Um, and it really helps depression. So especially since I was prone to having postpartum depression, because if you've been diagnosed with depression um, prior to being pregnant, ever in your life then you are more prone to having depression after makes sense so i'm on that and someone actually said i won't i'm not gonna say who someone who visited at the hospital said to a nurse somebody overheard it well you know she was on zoloft because you know everyone was freaking out that this our baby was in the nicu yeah because this had never happened to not not in the history of babies not at all on either side yeah so i can't remember who told me that but yeah some and it just yeah like so i had developed this yeah i developed this complex that i did this to my baby which isn't good no for a new mom no because you already yeah you're you're the mom you have that attachment already and hearing that you you're gonna take it as it's my fault yeah what did i do what Which it's just, it's, it's not, it's not, it's just the way, it's just the way it is. Life happened. Yeah. So that was, that's the story of my first one. And Some of it. The second one's kind of identical, isn't it? it? It got more severe. Yeah. So yeah, my first one was born, I think, oh gosh, I want to say she was three pounds, five ounces, three and a half pounds. <laughs> Okay, that's tiny. Yeah. Uh, she was in the NICU for three weeks. Oh, this is why I was even telling this story. <laughs> okay. She was in the NICU. So there's a parent room that you can stay in. So you, so I could stay there in the hospital with her because I was pumping and breastfeeding. Because the best thing, they say the best thing for the baby is the mother's milk. Mm-hmm. So... I'm doing that. Like, I'm, I've just felt like I used to say Meg's Milk Barn open 24-7 because oh every, sorry, this is making me uncomfortable, <laughs> every two hours, every hour, I mean, oh my God, I had so much milk, which is a good thing because some women can't 
do it. Do yeah. it. I don't think my mom did. I understand. Very well. But she's a petite woman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't judge any woman. I think breastfeeding is the most painful, uncomfortable, ridiculous. Oh, God. I'm going to get hate mail. Um, don't feel bad if you can't do it because some of us just, it just doesn't go according to plan. Yeah. So anyway, I pumped. I yeah, And I won't even tell you about pumping, Casey, because I don't think there's any reason for you to have to know about That's it. That's okay. I probably already know more than I should. Okay. <laughs> Why, do you have I lots mean, of experience with that? Well, I, people in my family don't hold back information, so. All right. You do have a lot of females upfront. in your life. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of women influence in my life. That's true. So. So I'm pumping. I'm doing all that. I'm making friends with the nurses because, hello, I'm there all day, every day. Right. And I tried to make, you know how I am, I try to make the best out of any situation. Mm-hmm. And so one of the nurses lived in our neighborhood, it turned out. And she was so sweet. I mean, just the nicest. And then we ended up kind of making a friendship with them, with her and her husband. And even like visited, like we would visit each other in our neighborhood, like take walks or I think they even came over for dinner one time. Like the nicest couple ever, but they couldn't have kids. They were having major problems having a baby. Okay. And I felt for them. And um, she had the nursery decorated and put together already. But At your house? No. At oh, her, at her house. At her house. Oh. And that kind of um, freaked me out a little bit because to not even be pregnant and to be having major problems getting pregnant but already have your nursery put together yeah i was scared she was gonna take my baby <laughs> i know no we okay and i know that it is crazy and she is the nicest person and but the, the, I, that's what i was fighting i was fighting this thing inside of me that's like she's gonna take your baby well and while you were there were you not on your medication oh i was on my medication oh, okay <laughs> well there goes that theory uh, I was on my medication, and uh, yeah, it's just the hormones. I think too, like having your first baby, and just—it's yeah. just crazy. You were all over the place. All over the place. Poor woman. She didn't deserve for me to be thinking that about her. Now looking back, I know she wasn't, but I just was having a whole lifetime movie moment written in my head. Like mm, that's why you shouldn't watch all those lifetime oh, movies. Oh, stop. So, anyway, that is that is a those are a few examples of where the mental momness started. Started from yes, I have like fifty five other stories, um, but I guess I could save them for another episode. Yeah, we don't need to. Uh, are you sure you don't want to do like six hours? You know, <laughs> a marathon. Un- unload everything in the first episode. I know. I have seven notebooks of stuff. Yeah. You've seen them. I have. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Do, Casey, since you're the graphic artist and the art director, could you make us a... <laughs> okay. I can try. <laughs> could you make us a graphic diagram of pumping and how it works for breastfeeding? I think that's already <laughs> online. You could probably pull that up. Okay, so we really want to hear from you all. 
um, it would mean a lot to me if you would email us at thementalmomshow at gmail.com. And eventually we'll have Instagram and a website and I'll be blogging and putting things on there. For now, if you would email us your ideas, your questions, don't ask me too many questions about parenting because really I need help with that. Tell me your stories about like crazy things that you were thinking right after you had your baby or your fears that we know are irrational, but we still have them. And we can have like a group therapy thing happen here. But I won't be leading the group because I am not in a position here on this show to be giving out any sort of medical advice or therapy advice. I am here just to listen, just to talk about my own craziness and provide a safe place of support. Right. And I'd be fine if other other people who know more than me wanted to give me lots of input. Yeah. Nobody knows everything. We're, <laughs> we're all in this together. <laughs> Can Let's... we put that on a t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, well, and if you do think you know everything, then you probably already don't have friends, so. Yeah, and if anybody emails or does anything and says anything mean. Well, that'll happen. Okay, well, just, Casey's job, life. one of his jobs is email security guard. And that means that he's reading every single email and he's not going to show any to me that are mean because you know that will only make my anxiety worse <laughs> and make me procrastinate. Yeah. And, and, I, and I just... There's a fine line. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Yeah. But don't... don't, don't I got a lot of work. You could... You I have, may need to hire an intern or something. Oh my gosh. We need an intern. Yeah. We, after one episode. After one episode. I'm exhausted. I need, I need an intern. <laughs> I'm so tired. Oh my gosh. Okay. Is that a good stopping point? I think so. Yeah. All right. So next Next episode. Do we know the do we know? The no. Topic? You think I'm planning things? Oh yeah. I'm just going to get out the notebooks and look through them. Maybe we should uh take your ideas and put them on a wheel and, and then we just spin the wheel. Oh my god, that's why you're my producer. That's the topic I love for the it. show. Oh my gosh. Do you know how to make the We'll work on that. I love that idea. Well, they already invented the wheel. I don't know if you're. You know what I'm thinking of. Aware of it. Are, we, are you thinking like for a board game wheel? Because I'm thinking like Price is Right wheel. <laughs> no. Like huge Price is no. Right wheel. Like uh, a tabletop wheel, you know, like. Like that you like use it, for Twister. No, like like not that small. Like you know, if you go out, there's like a radio station, a little tent, and they have oh. a, spin the wheel, win a prize. Yeah, like that kind of wheel. You have connections in radio, right? Uh-huh. So you could totally get us one of those. I, I could try. Okay. Put or that on your could, list, please. You know, yeah. Someday you'll even get paid. Oh, yay. <laughs> All right. All right, so... We'll come up with some cool tagline that I'll say every time we end an episode, but for now... Um, it's been the Mental Mom Show. It's been the Mental Mom Show, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>